Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 89, You Always Win. This week, we're discussing season 4, episode 16 of Buffy, Who Are You? And series 6, episode 12 of Doctor Who, Closing Time. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right. Who are you? Uh, Who who are you? (laughs) Finally. after Who song? No. Oh, sorry. Who, who, who? Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't believe we haven't had a Doctor Who episode with that name. Um, Ah, interesting. uh, So, finally, after a week away i've suffered through yeah. the uh two-week cliffhanger and all right i ah. even made you wait longer because we we had to postpone our recording of the last know, episode right? like yeah. a few days and and so yeah it just yeah, pushed so it i had out. to wait almost two weeks to almost. see this awful i mean week um, and a half let's not be hyperbolic here <laughs> i don't want to like you know cast anyone in a bad light or anything there's no aspersions being thrown about no but i have seen it now um and very much enjoyed it um and so i want to start um with uh the character of faith um because i think she gets a bit more emphasis but first i want to kind of focus on so when i say faith i mean the faith personality, which in this episode is in Buffy's body. So really I'm talking yeah. about Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> so, yep. you know, before we go on to like spend all our time talking about faith's character development, um, I want to take at least a couple minutes to just, you know, flag Sarah Michelle Geller um, and what a good job she did. Um, sure. You had mentioned similarities between this and, um, Things like, um, uh, what, what is that? Now I'm forgetting the name of the Doctor Who episode. This is awful. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, where New Cassandra. Earth. New yeah. Earth. Where, yeah, where, where, like, we talked about how. I did not know where you were going right then. I'm like, I don't, what did I, I say? Had a, was I had it a very total, smart? I hope it was. I had total brain freeze. But we talked about at the time, like, I mean, with Tennant, it's just fun because, oh, he gets to be silly and act like Cassandra, and oh, isn't that yeah. funny? And it is. But I think especially with Billy Piper, um, you get to see, because you what we talked about at the time was, you don't realize how much Rose is a character until you see Billy Piper play somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's not just she's just playing herself, and... Rose is such an approachable and relatable character that you just must assume that's just what Billy Piper's Piper, like, yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. not necessarily. And I think the same thing could kind of yeah, be yeah, she said could be and, totally not approachable and very yeah, if she could you be could hate her yeah. Well, and I think I've said <laughs> that like even like in interviews with her, like she comes across very differently than she does as the character, but you don't really realize that when you're watching her. But seeing her play Cassandra shows. Yeah the range that she can do and shows that she's making choices when she plays Rose a certain way. And I think it's totally the same thing here with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Mm -hmm. Um, where, I mean, I'm sure there's certain similarities between her and Buffy, but, but you really have to kind of remind yourself that this is a character, you know, that she's 
playing and creating and that she's making choices about how to have her, you know, react to situations and how does she talk and how does she, you know, interact with people and, you know, what kind of body language does she use and all those sorts of things like are part of the performance that she's building. So sure. it's cool then to see her. Uh, I mean, it's cool in a couple different ways to see her play Faith because one, it's just cool to see her get to play a character so different from what yeah. she normally does. So again, you're showing the range. But also, we know Faith better than we knew Cassandra. And I think Faith's a better developed character. She just sure. has more, sure. more layers, more of an arc to her. So we're getting to see her play a character who we all, we sort of know already. So it's not just like, oh, yeah. how can she be different than she was? But we kind of know how she should be because we've mm -hmm. seen Faith. So it's cool to see her like take on the persona of someone we already know pretty well. Um, so yeah. things like, I liked like the little, like some of it like you would expect, like, you know, the way she dresses is, you know, clearly more like Faith than like Buffy, you know, so that's kind of obvious. But like, you know... And then there's, like, you know, her body language, like, the way she kind of is more slouchy and more kind of loose and, mm -hmm. you know, throwing her feet up on the furniture and sort of just, you know, less put together, more kind of casual and, um, yeah, you know. But then also, like, really subtle things like her accent. You know, like, I noticed little Bostonian, like, boots in there and stuff. Like, that where yeah, that's or even not like, how... Like, when, uh... Willow spots the vampire and and she's like yeah wicked obvious wicked like, obvious yeah, yeah I mean that's totally a New England you know yeah thing. so like yeah like so the language that she uses but even just the way that she like mm -hmm. the accent she uses to say it too is you know yeah it's that not slightly a bit different very right, very subtle you know not overkill it's but, not heavy or or thick you know like sometimes it is a little more in faith but it's right it is there and you do just a hint of it, it. yeah um, so you know yeah. uh i you know before we just you know i i want to at least spend a few minutes acknowledging that because all the character development that we see with faith in this is being put on by a actress who doesn't normally play faith yeah and vice versa you know with elijah dushku so it's cool to see that well and i'm so if we can just kind of build on that too for for eliza dushku like i actually want to say that i actually like sarah michelle geller's performance as faith better than i like eliza dushku's performance as buffy although I think I, i'd agree with you there, although yeah. i i don't think she does bad with it i like sure. i think she does a, a a pretty good job but i just I would say that I think Sarah Michelle Gellar sort of fits into the role a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I the, the one thing that always sort of, I almost said bothers me. It doesn't bother me. It maybe pulls me out of the frame a little is when, um, when Buffy as Faith, you know, mm -hmm. in Faith's body comes into Giles's house and does that little thing with their hair. Like yeah. where she kind of strokes it yeah. with her pinky or whatever. Yeah, I noticed that too. Like that felt a little forced to me. Um, and then just some of the other, uh, like <laughs> the Buffy-isms that Sarah Michelle always delivers so well, mm -hmm. like didn't quite feel. I So 
if we're talking about like you know that episode of of new earth and how you know we get to see the range of acting and and kind of how nice it is to see people trying on different things i almost felt like the same sort of in a few places not the whole episode i think overall she does pretty well but a few episodes uh or a few moments in the episode i mean where eliza dushku as uh Buffy in Faith's body. Yes. <laughs> like, um, that's a lot of people in one body. Um, <laughs> you know, seemed a little more actually more like the new doctor saying words that like maybe the old doctor would have mm. said, you know, in those moments where the doctor hasn't sort of found his new stride yet. Right. Um, yeah. So like, like again, not that it's bad. It's just not quite maybe as polished as it could be. Sure. Um, and I and I want to say that because I think there are I mean, I think as an actress, like if and I don't I don't can't remember if you've watched Dollhouse or not. I haven't. No. Okay. It's on my I mean, my in list. Dollhouse, like every week Eliza Dushku's playing a new character basically. So right. uh which I mean, that's the premise of the show. Right. So like I think between this where we sort of see her playing Buffy's role and that like she improves many Gross, many yeah. times you know better sure uh but i think here she does a a pretty good job but not like like there's yeah. i i think as far as like polish goes and and just acting ability and being able to sort of fit into the character yeah. uh better i i think buffy i'm sorry i think <laughs> sir michelle geller does yeah. it a little bit better um, yeah well and like I mean, part of that might just be that, like, you know, there might be a slight difference in ability, you know, at this time at least, you know, which mm -hmm. might be a factor. Um, but it might also be other things like how much longer Buffy's been do or Sarah Michelle Gellar's been doing the role as opposed to Eliza Tushku. Like, she has more knowledge yeah. of the world and the characters to work with. And the other thing, too, which... I don't know whether this is intentional or whether this is just like a stroke of kind of luck, you know, that you could kind of spin it this way. But when you were saying it reminded you of like a new doctor who's not really comfortable in his new skin yet, or he's still learning what is it that makes me my kind of doctor. I wonder how much, um, you know, from the storytelling perspective, it makes sense to me that faith, would be relishing this opportunity to be Buffy. You know, that she thinks she's she's won. You know, her plan worked. Buffy's going to get locked away. She gets to steal this perfect life and skip town, and she's mm -hmm. just sort of having fun. Whereas it makes sense to me, too, that Buffy would be much more uncomfortable with, you know... Not that there aren't moments where Faith finds herself uncomfortable, but overall you know, it, you could kind of read it in a, well, you know, Buffy would be very, like, violated and, and, you know, and tense about the whole thing and uncomfortable and feeling sure. like she wants to get out of here. And, and so maybe some of the tension could be read as like, and I don't like, again, what's intentional or not, like, was, Elijah Dushku thinking about that when she was doing it, like yeah. playing Buffy as uncomfortable, you know, and that translates into an uncomfortable performance. Or yeah. is it just like, you know, 
maybe a mistake, but I can still kind of spin it that way. Like when I'm watching it, like that kind of seems like it makes sense to me, you know? Yeah, I can see that. And and, and just personality wise, Faith is more of a laid back go with the flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Hey, all right, I got a new body. Let's see how it works. You know? Right. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So it might I could be, see that, an argument it for might that. be that the Faith character is more adaptable to that kind of thing than like, Buffy sure. who would want to sort of put things right and get back and like you're not going to see Buffy relishing this opportunity in the same way that no. Faith gets to so in that way Sarah Michelle Gellar has more to work with like she has more like fun scenes and like crazy stuff that she can do whereas like and just more scenes like and even more scenes and the amount of time on screen yeah. Yeah. she still has more than Faith or right. Buffy as, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. 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 So you know, I think probably I think it's true that Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance is better, but also I think she has a few advantages that I you know sure. that give her a slight head start. Um, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we should probably get to the characters. Yeah. <laughs> at some point. Um. So. As wow. speaking of faith, yeah, we should talk about her and her experiences in Buffy's body. Right. Well, I guess we'll kind of just go through the episode because um, we see her again, like yeah. you know, relishing this in the beginning that she's won, and she's very happy about that. And she makes sure to point out like how dangerous faith is to the cops and everything. So she gets her little moments yep. of triumph. Um, and uh but also like i don't get that quite complete like there is triumph there i think you're right but i think it's also a moment of like hey don't call me a kid right you know i'm not a kid i'm dangerous like yeah you know that that it's there's a bit of of defensiveness there yeah i almost said self-defense there but it's not self it's kind of unself Mm. <laughs> you know defensiveness there um yeah but yeah no just that it's you know i just mean that she's very strong like she has to and she repeatedly sort of has to cover up her outbursts in those way but yeah um it, it's yeah anyway i i guess i just like i think you're right there is a sort of a triumph there but it's also there's a bit of like she's still trying to yeah defend herself and trying to get people to take her seriously. Well, and that's going to be the running theme because Faith's yes. triumphs are never really triumphs. You know, her triumphs yeah. are kind of desperate attempts to prove herself. And it doesn't matter when she wins because it's not really about that. You know, like actually, you know, beating Buffy doesn't really prove anything. So, you know, she's never going to be able to like, just let that go. Mm -hmm. Um, Still by the episode, that's true. Maybe somewhere down the line it's not. But, um, you know, that's certainly the theme with Faith. Um, yeah. But, uh, and we get, um, you know, an another little interaction with Joyce um, where, you know, we start to see, I guess, like the first hint of maybe this isn't so straightforward as it seemed because she sort of 
you know, uh, you know, brushes her off, doesn't really want to hug or be, you know, you know, affectionate, you know, daughterly or anything. But then kind of just under the pressure of Joyce is saying, like, are you going to come over? She kind of agrees to, you know, so mm. even if she doesn't intend to, because she then goes upstairs and books a flight, like on the credit card and everything, there's still, it's like, she feels like she's compelled. She has to tell her something. She has to yeah. tell her what she wants to hear. You know, right. she can't just totally, you know, brush it off entirely. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And right. So like, I think you're right. Like almost immediately she's thrust into that position of what Buffy has and, and people expect things of her, <laughs> people expect things of her and people and, and, you know, I mean, we can talk about sort of what Faith's expectations of, you know, for how Buffy acts, but the fact is that she's sort of, like you said, forced to act uh, like Buffy does, or at least in the way that she thinks that Buffy would. Right. Um, right. And I think even before that, like, it throws her off that when we hear Joyce talking about Faith, mm. that she comes to find out that it's like actually genuine. Like if, you know, there's yeah. Faith's whole premise is always that people are liars and bad and, you know, just out for themselves. But Faith sort of ruminating, you know, to who she thinks is her daughter mm -hmm. about, well, what could really drive her that way? Like, I don't think that she actually wants to be that way. I think that she, you know, that there's a different motivation going on there. And, it, you know, too bad we can't help her kind of thing, you know? And yeah. like, like, I think that's the first curveball that like faith right. faith can't imagine like someone just attacked you and your daughter and you're like concerned for them like that's totally right. you know like so i think that's part of it and then the the affection for her daughter where it's like like she's just not comfortable like she's in buffy's skin but yeah she's not like she wasn't the first expecting the first act of you know, Joyce to be a hug, which is like, why not? She's her mother. Why wouldn't you expect that? But right. like, she clearly is uncomfortable when that happens, even though just outside, because it wasn't genuine, you know, mm. you see her grabbing Joyce's hand and like holding, holding it, hand. but yeah. it's, but it's, yeah, it's that taunting to Buffy is why she does it. It right. has not, it's no, there's not a genuine affection there. So she's perfectly fine then, but when there is genuine affection, and I think this is throughout between her and, uh, Joyce and Willow and Riley yeah. when there's whenever there's a genuineness to the affection it makes her uncomfortable because that completely throws off her worldview uh yeah. that she's sort of built up for herself well it like puts the lie to the idea that like behind closed doors like once Faith leaves they're all kind of snickering about how they got, they got one up over like because that's what she imagines is like Mm -hmm. they're they see themselves as superior you know and and are like you know relishing whatever like you know victory they have over her and but no like okay they go behind closed doors they're alone you know there's you, this is the place to say what you really think like there's mm -hmm. no reason to be insincere here and what you get is joyce like like you said being genuinely concerned mm -hmm. you know um so she kind of it it makes it even harder not impossible to continue to believe that about them that like right you know that they don't really care or that they even look down on her mm -hmm. um 
so and then um we get the 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 great scene of you know after her bath like uh practicing her her buffiness in the mirror yeah um which which I knew as soon as I saw it, you had hinted that there was a iconic scene in this episode and, yeah, you know, yeah. and I did recognize it right away. Um, and you had said how funny it was, which it was, but it was also super creepy. Like, sure. even just like the fact that the music is a little, like, mm. it's not like happy, boppy comedy music. It's like creepy, like subdued like ominous music and even at the end there's this kind of like sinister the laugh. laughter yeah. and everything but the, so, it's it's like the internal laughter right because she's just staring in the mirror yeah, it's not like just, you don't you don't it's see it's almost like laugh. the kubrick stare of like yeah, just yeah. like in the mirror so there's like this dissonance the between <laughs> that's what it is no i know um, it's just, yeah it's a good term if, and go google it if you don't know what it is um but so there's like this dissonance between like the funniness and the like disturbingness of this, you know? So like, cause you're kind of laughing and then you're also kind of like, this is really a little awful. Um, but it is funny just to see like how many variations on the line because it's wrong. Can you get right. in there? Like how many different nuance can you put into this? Like, you know, with the like really like, soppy schoolgirl version of like because it's wrong and then like you know the kind of kick-ass like gun version of like yeah. no i'm gonna kick your ass because it's wrong like you know right. practicing which of these is most the essence of buffy to her mm -hmm. um and not really getting any of it right you know it's not really till the line's called back at the end that she says it in a genuine way, which is the way Buffy would say it, you know, like, but her, all of this is her image of what, you know, that, that Buffy's like a role that she, that you just play and, you know, you do this because society says it's wrong, not because like there's actually anything genuinely wrong about, mm -hmm. you know, the bad behavior or whatever. Yeah. Um, so great scene. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is good. And yeah, no, you're right. It's not. I mean, I feel like I've had to defend my use of the term like funny or a similar term <laughs> before as well. Like I do. I do think it's funny, but you're and right. I don't, it's I don't not disagree like, with you. It's not like there is that creepy element to it. Like there definitely is, I don't know, undertones mm. of creep. Uh, so, yeah. I agree with it. and and of course it becomes throughout the episode that trope of the because it's wrong right yeah. she she continues to you like you know you see it with spike and with you spike. see it um another time as well but then you see it at the end when she's in the church you yeah. know telling the vampires you're not gonna kill these people and it's it's genuine there it's yeah it's because it's wrong and like it's like she's finally figured out like really what it means to be a hero sort yeah. of in that moment like yeah um, not to jump ahead too much but i know we're kind of going through it yeah. bit by bit but i you know because that's where it's sort of born um no and that's there is the that, only one which is genuinely yeah the most similar to how buffy would say it right like right. all these and, caricatures of buffy at the beginning don't really like yeah. you know 
they might be what superficially you think Buffy is like, like, you know, Valley Girl or, or Goody Two Shoes or whatever. But yeah. it's not until that end that the, the the spirit of what Buffy is saying comes across. And and there's that line of I mean it's it's later when they're sorry, I'm taking us all out of order here, but like there's a line when they're in the bronze and, you know, she's talking to Tara after Willow's sort of gone off and, you know, goes, Well, I guess you've never known anyone until you've been in their skin kind of thing. Right. And and like that's sort of like if that's that's the episode sort of summed up right yeah. there. That's Faith's journey in this episode is actually coming to find out that a lot of her preconceived notions about Buffy are wrong and that mm. she actually comes to realize how wrong she is in a way um, mm. about about those things. Um, not that it stops her from fighting with Buffy at the end, no. but <laughs> but but there's. There is a change, I think, that takes place. So sure. we can see whether that holds true, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the future. But um, it's at least, I think, in this episode, that's where that's where we go with it. Yeah. So, um, but sorry, again, I skipped ahead. So, so they, she goes from booking the flight, right? And Joyce is like, mm-hmm. oh, Giles just called. Yeah, sure, why not? I'll go see the gang, you know? Like, yeah. Let's have a little fun here. Again, we're back to the, you know, all right. What, yeah. Whatever happens, let's let's just play around with it and see what. Where yeah, it goes. the kind of cavalier faith of mm-hmm. just live in the moment and have fun, um, and uh, I guess the most interesting. Well, I like the little thing about poetic justice, and then she has to like <laughs> yeah. explain it away. You're like, yeah, how is it poetic? Um, but the most interesting moment for me in that scene is the little interaction with Willow. You know, where you get the, like, um, you know, Willow, again, reiterating, you know, her dislike of Faith, which Faith, of course, notices, um, and imagines, like, violently killing her. And then, you know, you know, Willow misinterprets her, thinking she's like, you know, what are you thinking about? Like, she's having some sort of deep troubled thought you know right um and you know and, and we've she, all in fairness we've all had those moments where like someone has noticed us in our own little imaginary oh, sure. fantasy and whatever whatever that fantasy may be hopefully it's not stabbing someone you know right. in the gut but like you know and then someone's like oh what are you thinking about and and yeah. You might be sort Nothing. of embarrassed or don't want them to know what you're thinking about. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, just, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, and I I wonder because I wonder whether it's you know is it Willow's kind of concern for how Buffy's feeling and and you know, responsiveness to actually noticing that something is on her mind. Is it that that kind of prompts Faith to say, to, like, reassure her? Like, you know I'd never let her hurt you, and Willow says, I know. Like, which I took to be, at least in that moment, genuine. That this isn't just, like, and maybe I'm totally misreading it. You know, maybe she's totally stringing Willow along. You know, like, she's having a go at her because she dislikes her. But Mm -hmm. it felt like, to me... My gut reaction was that it was 
a genuine response to Willow's sort of reaching out, like and saying like, "Hey, are you okay?" Yeah. And and Faith being sort of prompted to reciprocate that, and be, and then being kind of like surprised by it, like like almost yeah. like that was a little weird. But I don't know. Maybe like, I'm. And we don't be. get like a monologue, so yeah, I we guess don't. We can't say. I I think of of the sort of examples that I mentioned a moment ago, like Joyce Willow Riley, mm-hmm. where there are moments of sort of genuine affection. Um, I think Willow's is the most ambiguous mm-hmm. uh, here. I think I think that uh, in this in this meeting, so because we get the later meeting at the Bronze, right? But like in this meeting with willow um oh which i lied so here's the scene where willow isn't with tara um but in this scene the uh i think i think it's another sort of disconcerting moment for faith where she does she realizes that it's not just hatred on willow's part but it's protectiveness and dislike at faith's actions which is why you know like Again, I think I think a lot of what Faith has done in the past is to have sort of these immediate, I don't know, reactions to yeah. the ways people react to her without a lot of introspection of why that might be the case, which, you know, yeah, Faith isn't the introspective type. So, like, that's right. not a huge leap. But I think this is Faith realizing that it's not that everything I do is wrong and people just hate me. Uh, it's that actually what I did do was wrong mm. and that it's, it's my specific actions, which are why Willow doesn't like me. And it's because of the way I've treated Buffy. And so like, I don't, I don't necessarily think in that particular moment, this it's like, faith is repenting or anything like, but I think, I think again, it's forcing her to sort of, you know, come back into the moment and think, Oh, right. I'm Buffy. I need to say something that Buffy would say. Mm -hmm. And that, but that in doing like that at the same time, it's, there is a realization that there's a genuineness, not in her own words necessarily, but in, in Willow's words. And so, yeah, I would say that she's responding to that. And yeah. that that maybe it's not like again, it's more of a this is the best way to respond to make sure I don't get caught kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that she actually would protect Willow, but in the same time, like I can see the ambiguity there, and I I don't yeah. think it's a hundred percent clear. I you know I don't think either of our interpretations are a hundred percent like supported by the text. I think it's meant to be ambiguous, and so right. I think because it's I, so it's so brief and yeah it doesn't really go any we don't get any more but but again i i would say that really at least for my argument's sake like i would say that there is that there are those moments of of uncomfortableness at genuine affection being shown towards her as you know buffy Mm. you know and it kind of throwing some cognitive dissonance in there and we talked about um you know, with the last episode that like there are themes of sort of identity and, and existentialism mm-hmm. here, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, there's almost, a, a, a I almost say concept, not concept, but like a theme of, you know, 
fake it till you make it in a right. way here. Like it's this is this is uh, Faith sort of constantly having to remind herself to act like Buffy until in the end she actually does act like Buffy. Right. In that, you know, her actions do become genuine and she wants to save people and whatever. But like this, I would say this is like a step closer than she was with Joyce, but she's still not there. It's still uncomfortable. It's yeah. it's still her reacting to Willow by saying things that she thinks Buffy would say. But it feels a little more genuine, maybe, because she's realizing, I mean, this is her, Buffy's best friend. Like she yeah. has to, like if she's not. Like, she's already detecting something's not quite right, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. So, anyway. Yeah. I I do think, though, that it's more ambiguous than the other examples. I think yeah. least ambiguous is her discomfort with Riley. Um, right. But uh, we, yes. we can get to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, I guess then let's talk about the interaction with Spike. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what to say about it? She kind of gets Spike riled up in more ways than one, doesn't she? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. So, again, we're... I hadn't really thought about this before, but kind of teasing the potential, shipping potential of Buffy and Spike, but again, obliquely, because... Just like the last time we did this, it's not really Buffy. It's, you know, it's Faith. Uh, you know, but... Right, with, you mean with something that. blue, yeah. With something blue, you yeah. know. Like, just kind of flirting. It took me, I'm like, I'm like, wait, last time? Oh, right, yeah. It was, they were under spell. Yes. Yep. So just kind of flirting with it, but not like, you know. And, and, and... But Spike this time is himself and doesn't know that this is Faith. He thinks this is Buffy. You know, maybe not Buffy like he's ever seen her act before and he's a little bit, like, you know, startled yeah. by it. But, you know, goes away feeling very kind of frustrated and, you know, angry. In more and ways than one. In more ways than one. And, like, ready for some sort of, you know confrontation of some sort you know yeah yeah and and there's the the running theme of you know spike's not really spike's kind of impotent right so like right, right. There, yeah. there's that there's that sort of background to it um right you know, there's like that taunting kind of he doesn't to he it. doesn't chase the other puppies anymore um <laughs> and that kind of thing too yeah there's the taunting and there's the sexual undertones and there's um, all of that, um, and and more like this time, it, you know, it's. I love the you know, the the line where you know he's like, oh, you want to know why I really hate you? And she's like, because I'm a stuck up tight ass with no sense of fun. And he's like thrown off, like, yeah. actually, yes, actually, that yeah. covers a lot of it. <laughs> right, um, and you realize how much uh, Spike and Faith have in common, you know. Right. Well, that's characters. right. I was sort of bumbling my way there, but that's what I was trying to get to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That they actually have a lot of reaction, like a lot of the things that they dislike about Buffy is pretty much like the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Which so. makes for an interesting, you know, idea there. But uh, yeah, okay. So the shipping thing, <laughs> we will not de deny that there are the Buffy, the Buffy. shippers. 
Uh, I mean that you've been around the fandom long enough to have seen that, I'm sure, and um, know that they are out there. Sure. Uh, yeah, the Something Blue episode was kind of silly and whatever, and, and I think, because I think those existed even like at the time, like even before these were airing, and I think that mm-hmm. was sort of intentionally poking fun at that. Mm-hmm. But this is, given sort of the undertones and stuff, like this is... Yeah, maybe taking that a little more seriously (laughs) in a way, like, you know, and and definitely sort of teasing with it. Um, Yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway, but it's, uh, it is definitely there and that's part of it. Um, Well, and, and, and so we just have this again lingering back there of this idea of, uh, now Spike's had this, uh, kind of altercation that Buffy doesn't really know about. So he's got this whole added layer of like you know you know his continued frustration with the Scoobies in general yeah. and how they don't see him as a threat and how he doesn't want to rely on their help. And now he's had this where Buffy as from what he sees, Buffy like deliberately like you know, taunted him and put him down and, like, let him on and all this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see, like, you know, when they see each other again, are they kind of in now different spaces about where they stand with each other? Like, yeah. Spike may see this as... Because he ends with, like, a threat. Like, you know, one day we're going to have a mm-hmm. confrontation. Yeah. And Buffy has not had this conversation, so she might not know that this is out there, like you know that sure. he's harboring this kind of like grudge so yep. yep and right and so there's there's that aspect to it and also yeah it's it's another notch right of another like we, another the, humiliation for another for humiliation <laughs> yeah yeah notch might have not been the best word in that and given the context but like yeah there's another humiliation there and and another like we last episode, we already saw Spike saying he was going to look Faith up, and like he's like, you know, there's no reason I can't point a cannon in your direction, a loose cannon in your direction. So yeah. like, but now here we see like a confrontation between the two of them, except they like neither one of them really knows that, that realize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what could be going on. Like they are kind of on the same team, like you said. They both hate Buffy in the same way, but there's sort of this irony you know behind the fact that neither of them realizes what's actually happening because faith doesn't like faith when she hears the name spike she's like oh spike but she doesn't know that he's like itching to find a way to get at them you know so yeah uh and but and you know spike obviously doesn't know that it's actually faith who he would be happy to team up with if it meant right getting rid of buffy right so yeah. lots of lots of fun things there. Um, let's. I'm gonna skip over uh, Tara and Willow because I want to come back to them. Spend the a little bronze. bit more time and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, come back to them a little bit later. Um, it kind of cracks me up that uh, Faith immediately knows, you know, the nature of their relationship. Maybe before they even do, but you know, again, we'll come back to that. Um. And then, so let's talk about, well, I was going to save Riley, but let's talk about Riley because we're talking <laughs> about these uncomfortable yeah. scenes. So, you know, 
again, I think that is kind of the motif here of like, it, she's, she's confident and comfortable and smooth faith when she has the upper hand, but like anytime it does go into something more intimate or genuine mm -hmm. is when she gets, you know, uncomfortable. So she's all for like going in and totally seducing Riley and, ta and taking advantage of him. And, you know, you know, she wants to go in and like be really dirty and do all these. And, you know, he's just like not interested and kind of insists on like, can this just be, you know, nice and normal and like what he <laughs> expects from Buffy. And she's like, ready, like, nah, if you're and not going to do this, I'm not even interested, and, you know? Yeah. And not even like, I would just say not even what he expects, but what has occurred between him and Buffy before. And like, that's it, what I mean. Not, yeah, not like, expects like, like a demand, but like expects like what they have had up until now. Yeah. Like it's what, what they've what experienced their relationship and what they really is. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I mean, we can't forget that we've gotten plenty of moments of faith describing how she really feels about men, you know, use them, throw them away. Right. We saw it with Xander, you know, and, and sort of the, Sort you know, not just the first time where it was kind of funny, you know, like she kicks him out semi naked and whatever. But then also the second time where it's like, yeah, evil, you know, yes. like destructive yeah. and almost kills him. Um, well, and like both, I would put like, I mean, Xander's more like obviously because of her being stronger than him and everything, it looks more like you know, it, it ticks more of the boxes of, like, a rape. But, like, this, too, because Riley had no idea who she really is. So she's clearly, like, you know, even though it's consensual, it's clearly, like, you know, she's taking advantage deliberately, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, so, like, again, we're kind of running through the male characters. So, like you know, Xander's joke about, like, you know, are there any guys out there that she can, like, you know, sleep with and treat horrible, whatever joke he made. It's, like, that's actually kind of accurate. Like, yeah, this is how she's treated the male characters on the show, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, uh, you know, when it comes to it, when it, when they you know, we cut away to Willow and Tara. Sort of suggestive parallels there. And then we cut back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he says, I love you for the first time. Of course. Of course he would do that when it's not Buffy. Because yeah. it's Whedon. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, I like the use of, like, the the... Uh, who are you in in the title that you it's not about what you expect the title to be about you know which is like Buffy and Faith but she asked that to Riley like as far as she's concerned this has got to be like a trick like who are you what do you want from her you know she just cannot understand how he could not be wanting to get something out of her you yeah. know, and in a weird way, is almost defensive of Buffy. Like, what do you want from her? Like, as if this is a friend that she's, like, protecting. Like, you know. 
Yeah. Um, as if she's not the one who's taking advantage of Buffy and Riley in that moment. So, you know, yeah. it kind of is just more insight into how sort of damaged she is as a character because she or here she she's the one taking advantage of everybody, being insincere and duping everybody. And when faced with actual, you know, genuine emotion, she's like, nah, it's got to be a trick. I don't buy yep. it. You know, right. there's there's right. got to be some ulterior motive here. Don't trust you. What's really going on? You know, and right. that kind of shows you what her view of relationships are, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and your mention there of, of course, because it's Whedon. Reminded me that that this we didn't bring it up, but this, this is Whedon, episode right? directed and written by Whedon. It so a, yeah, yes. like it's it's definitely a literally yeah uh, very Whedon-y thing to mm-hmm. do. Um, but yeah, so I know we're like getting we're getting dangerously low on time. Okay. So like. Uh, don't want to spend too much time there, but yeah, like I think that's all right. There's, there's, again, it goes back to that genuineness of it. And like, I love that moment where Riley is like forced, you know, he's asking her like, what are you playing at? And, and she's like, well, I'm Buffy. Like, it's the only thing she can think of to say is I'm, I'm Buffy, which is kind of funny because then Riley takes that to me and like genuinely, okay, then I'll, I'll be Riley and we'll be Buffy and Riley and we're not playing games. But of course that is what Elijah Deuce or Elijah Deuce, what Faith is playing at. Right. She's playing a role, you know, she's playing the role of what are we playing at? I'm Buffy. Well, it is actually a play role for her. So Mm -hmm. like there's, there's a couple different levels where that works. And I think, I think like at this point it's pretty clear. I think that we're seeing that she is actually confused in a way about who she really is. And so, yeah, that question almost is for herself, you know, Mm. like, who are you? Like, who am I? It really is. You know what I mean? Like in that moment too. So, yeah. Um, anyway, like definitely. I mean, that's just a great scene because it does show, I mean, and we've talked about, you know, how Riley, like he's probably the most genuine, you know, other than the fact that he works for a secret paramilitary, you know, organization. Like <laughs> he's he's one of the most genuine characters on the show. We've talked about sort of from the beginning. So, mm-hmm. you know, we expect him at this point to be completely like, yeah, we're like <laughs> it would it wouldn't feel right if like Riley was into like, you know some sort of weird fetish thing because that right. just doesn't seem like him. He's nope. the normal guy and he just wants the genuine affection and intimacy. Yeah. It's not, you know, about playing around. It's about being with the person he loves and right. expressing that when he feels it and, you know, like all of those things. So, yeah. Anyway. Right. But, but faith can't operate on that level. No. Like for her, it has to be games. It has to be a, a role play or something sort of like, you know, it, 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 she's uncomfortable with just the simplicity of, you know, of just like a, a genuine relationship where there isn't all those other, like something to distract or something to kind of like, you know, some sort of game to be played. Um, yeah. 
Ugh, yeah. Riley. Well, and I know, yeah, and that... it's like, I feel bad for him, because it's like, you know, I know there will be the people that say, like, oh, he should have known, but it's like, you know, it, I, uh, I don't know. I think. Yeah, it's easy to say that a, when you know. <laughs> he was in a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hindsight is kind of twenty twenty in that position. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, so final final confrontation then yeah. in the church. Um, well, so, you know, Faith goes to try to leave. Right. Sees the church has been taken over. Realizes, of course, based on the report, that it's vampires. Yeah. Um, and now... Like this is the right. This is the part where we realize she's actually changed. And well, and we didn't. So because we skipped over sort of the bronze stuff, we also skipped over the part where she saves the girl and the bronze and gets mm. the genuine oh, right. thank you. Yeah. And she tries to play it off, but you know that she kind of likes it, but is also again sort of uncomfortable by the genuineness yeah. of that thank you. Yeah. Um, I knew there was another example that I was forgetting. That yes. was it. It's that yeah. thank you from a complete random stranger and getting yeah. that gen. Which she never even really got as Faith when she was, you know, slayer, Faith the right. Slayer with right. Buffy. Like, because it was always Buffy who sort of got the attention as the Slayer, and then Faith was sort of the sidekick Slayer. Right. Um, so this is sort of the first time where she, as the Soul Slayer, is getting the genuine thank you and appreciation from a victim. Yeah. Um, and again, sort of make, she tries to brush it off, makes her uncomfortable, but we realize like in the in the like I mean I don't mean to say like her journey was complete when she realizes it in the airport because no of course not we see that her journey is not complete but yeah. like she does there is a sort of switch that happens there where she like suddenly sort of realizes like actually I need to go do something about this it's yeah. not she's not just playing Buffy like there's no like no one would stop her from getting on the plane at that point. right no, but, there's no, there's nothing in it for her. Yeah, there's no um, reason, you know, she's not trying to pretend for anyone at this point anymore. So yeah. she, her, that's all her own decision to go back. And Well, and I like that that's the parallel in the end between, even though Faith hasn't been true to this in the same way that Buffy has, I like that that's kind of what unites them in the end because they both kind of give up something which they selfishly want to be doing in order to go to the church you know for faith it's escaping you know and going away and you know for for buffy she neglects going after faith to go help it like they're talking about how are they going to track faith down and Mm. and have the like spell to reverse it and everything and then they see the report and they end up going to the church so i like that there's that right without Knowing or why? I mean, why would they even expect that? No, I don't think they have any idea that she's going to be there. So, you know, even despite their differences, and despite the fact that Faith has not lived up to this really for a while, they're both slayers, Mm -hmm. and so there's something about like that situation that they're both, you know. sort of their honor as Slayer tells them they need to go do this, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe Faith 
being Buffy for a while gives her enough clarity to see that again, at least yeah. for a moment, you know, that, like you said, not that her journey is complete, not that suddenly all's forgiven and that she's never, you know, going to be troubled again, but, you know, just that kind of day in Buffy's shoes, I think kind of puts her back in touch with what she is, which is the Slayer. And she is that too, you know, they both are. Right. You know, Right. And Buffy isn't necessarily, you know, the best slayer. It's just that she, it it doesn't hurt to have when you help someone, them genuinely thank you. Or have all these Scoobies, like, looking to you for help or looking to help you, you know. Yeah. And Faith hasn't had that. And yeah. kind of and even, giving even... a taste of that shows her a bit of why being a slayer might be a good thing, you yeah. know. Yeah, sure. And you can get into sort of, you know, familial background type stuff, too, with sure. Joyce. And, you know, she's clearly a very genuine and concerned mother. Like, yeah, no, there's a whole nature-nurture like, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, like, there's there's those sorts of things you, that... But you're right. I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's sort of the cascade of all these different things that Faith goes through. And the unfortunate thing is, like, we... I mean, we don't really get to it at this point, but I, I don't... Like you can sort of see from the outside of like looking looking back on the events of what happened, you know, from the side of Buffy and the Scoobies, all they're gonna focus on are the bad things. They're For gonna sure. focus on the stealing yeah. stealing the credit card number to book a flight. Uh they're gonna focus on um you know, the going dancing instead of being out patrolling they're going right. to focus on uh the sleeping with riley when you know yeah she clearly knows she's not right like taking advantage of him in that way right. and and so like those are going to be all of the bad fallout effects so like it's even even in a way like even though faith sort of has this journey in revelation nobody else has it about her mm. in the episode and so there's still this like even with the best, well, not, I mean, she didn't have best intentions the whole time. Like it took her a while, but like, even though like sort of, she comes to the point where she winds up having good intentions. Yeah. Nonetheless, nobody's going to see that. Right. You know what I mean? They're going to see all of the well, bad stuff. Well, and that's kind that of the, the, sometimes the trick of the good intentions is that they don't benefit yeah. you. <laughs> they benefit yeah. other people. Well, and but it's like, it's it's the they're... tragic flaw of faith, like the running tragic flaw that she mm -hmm. has is that even when she does decide to do the right thing, all of her poor decisions previously come crashing down on her. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and anyway. so then, like, just a couple other quick things about that final confrontation. You know, the moment where she says you know, you're the Slayer, and she goes, the one and the only. Like, that's just a shocking thing, that, like, after all the the grief she's given Buffy about how superior she thinks she is. Now you're Buffy for a day, and suddenly you're the one and only. Like, yeah, you, know, eh, the, you know, there's that kind of, like, you know, do you know what you just said kind of thing? Like, even she comes to kind of love being Buffy. <laughs> and then... That plays into when, right before they switch, when mm. they're beating each other up, and you get that, like, really violent 
hatred, which you know is totally, you know, she's talking to Buffy, but you know it's about her. You know, she's looking at herself, you know, beating the crap out of herself and saying, like, you know, you know, you're murderous and you're disgusting. I don't think she's talking about Buffy there. I think she's talking about Faith, you know. Um, I forget all the... You think I'm afraid of you, you're nothing, you're disgusting, a useless, murderous bitch, you're nothing, and just, like, repeats it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you kind of get a little bit of a peek into, you know, some of the, if, if we couldn't have guessed it already, the self-loathing that underlies her jealousy of Buffy, really. Yeah, yeah. Which is very sad. And, you know, it is sad that people won't realize you know, that that's going on, you know, maybe Buffy gets some insight, but she's also kind of having, you know, the crap beaten out of her. So we'll forgive her. if She doesn't totally like, you know, understand faith totally in that moment, but sure. Uh, well, <laughs> so we've talked the entire time here about faith. We have three minutes to cover we have three everybody minutes. else. Uh, well, I, mean, I, I we feel can, like there, we can go into more. I mean, there is kind of less to say about Buffy's character because, as you say, she doesn't get that same. It's more for her just about surviving and getting out of here. Yes, you know? although I would say that that in itself gives her a taste of what of what faith's life faith is, is like. Like, yeah. like, like she's. She, Buffy is sort of forced to, and not, and not that Buffy never sort of thinks on her feet and goes with the flow, but like this, like being in face, like this, she feels the weight of that crushing history of bad decisions. Well, and where like living in a world where people don't take your word for granted, you know, that, yeah. You know? Yeah, like that that everything it doesn't matter what you say because everyone thinks it's a lie anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so she is forced to sort of, you know, do that living on the edge and not yeah, like even, you know, from the Watchers three there to Giles, that idea that it, yeah, there's just nothing you say will convince me. And the EMTs and the cops and right. everybody around her just doesn't believe her at all. Yeah. Um, even though she might be, and in fact is, in this case, telling the truth. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think I think if, although we do get less screen time with Buffy as Faith, mm-hmm. like, I do think we can see a sort of a similar, I almost said parallel, like, actually maybe inverse would be a better word. Yeah. You know, experience going on there. Um not so much in that it changes the way she wants to act per se. Cause I think unlike what we see with faith, um, where she does actually make this decision in the end, uh, you know, to go back and sort of help the people in the church, like Buffy, as you pointed out, that's still Buffy's instinct at the end, even when it means possibly ruining her, uh, potential to get her own body back. Like, Right. She still makes that decision to go help people in church. So I don't think there's as much of a character change there, mm-hmm. but it's more of a understanding into, yeah. yeah, about what Faith is sort of going through. Um, 
and that might just be because of their personalities that you know uh faith is less centered and balanced than buffy is right. at this point in her life like you know buffy buffy knows who she is and who she is doesn't change just because she has a different body who she right. is like you know quote on the inside so to right. speak. you know what i mean like like she's gone in the past like she's had some identity crises Mm -hmm. even even fairly recently in the past like this season you know she's had a few you know times where she you know like beer bad and that kind of thing like where there's there's which actually there's an interesting uh sort of comparison that i never really picked up on until i i can't remember what i read that whenever buffy sort of has um these moments of not really being herself um, she has a different hairstyle, and you you see it here where it's like the crimped sort of, right, you know, right. like um, right. apparently that was also true in something blue and um, mm. uh, beer bad, and I can't even remember. I, there was another example that I that oh, I think it's actually a future example. Never mind. Now that I pointed it out, you'll <laughs> maybe I'll be I don't, looking for I it. don't know that it gives it away, but you know what I mean. Um, so there's just all these moments where mm. uh, you know these sort of things. Um, yeah. No, so, anyway. I, she definitely has moments of doubt and self, you know, yeah. identity oh, crisis. Right, right. I but forgot what my ta- I went off on the tangent. I forgot what my, like my main point was there. Yeah, that that there's, um, you know, that these are opportunity. This is an opportunity for Buffy to really sort of get some insight. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sort of shake her core beliefs. No, if anything, it reinforces beliefs, them. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which I guess is why I say more of an inverse experience than a yeah. parallel one. But yeah. um, I do right. think it's yeah. She doesn't important. come out saying, "Gosh, I you know now I you know yeah. feel a lot better about faith yeah. and wish I was more like her." No, <laughs> it right. kind of is like it's more about you know feeling some sympathy for faith maybe, but not but but feeling more secure in her own life you know, maybe realizing how good she has it um, yeah. and how she's made good decisions and they've paid off, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. mostly good decision. Mostly good decision. Um, my favorite thing is when Elijah Dushku is saying, stop inching. You were inching. You were inching, yeah. <laughs> that little whine in the voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I you know I feel like I need to retract a little bit what I said before. I don't think she does a bad job as Buffy. Mm-mm. It's it's more of like the difference between good and really good. You know sure. what I mean? Like yeah. like so anyway. Yeah. I do think she does a really good job in a yeah. lot of places. And and I think especially in sort of the Buffyisms um, that she does have, like she does deliver most of them pretty well. So like the yeah. inching. Um, and I want to call. I I wanted to make sure we talked about that moment between her and Giles too, because like, I love that callback to a new man where it's, it's, you know, I looked in your eye. Can't you, can't you look into my eyes and be like, Oh yes, it is you. (laughs) Like, um, but then we get callbacks to like other stuff too, like band candy where he enjoys, you know, what's a stevedore? Yeah. She she knows way too much about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those kind of right where it becomes obvious just by the the glut of things that she knows that there's no way it could be anyone other than Buffy, um, which which yeah. again is just sort of a nice 
punctuation of between the relationship that Buffy and Giles have built, you know, that, yeah. um, that, that sort of mentor or parental relationship that he has with her. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a ton more to say about Riley because most of what we talked about with him was in relation, but yeah. I mean, I guess just like a couple things. One, like again, with his sort of wholesome boy next door genuineness, we get him like going to church the next morning, which is why yeah. he's at the church. Cause I, I was like, why is he there in a suit? I can't figure this out. He's like, Oh, he is going to church. Of course. Um, of course he was. Yeah, of course he was. And, uh, and then I guess just, like, the lingering end of, like, okay, so now they know that it was really Faith, and how does this affect the relationship going forward? Yeah, yeah. Faith is really good at coming in and uh, upsetting Buffy's relationships, isn't she? Um, it certainly so isn't the first time that's happened. We'll see where that goes. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, just one other thing about Riley and church. Like, it is funny because, like, you definitely you have that moment of, yeah, why is he there and why is he in a suit? And then when he says, oh, I was just late for church, it's like, yeah. oh, of course he. Well, like, why did I assume that he didn't go to church? I should be assuming that obviously he goes to church, just right, right, based on his background and stuff. So right, right, yeah. Like once you say it, you're like, <laughs> well, of course. What was I thinking? Um, yeah, that's funny. So, okay. Willow and Tara. We need to, even though we're over, we, we don't want to shortchange Willow and Tara. No. Um, I mean, and this is, again, just Whedon wrote and directed this. So, like, this is like the, if you have been completely inobservant from now. Right you know, until now about right. the direction and the trajectory in which we will you know, now Willow make it and Willow and Tara's relationship has been going. Yeah. No, and it was kind of a relief to have Faith just sort of lay it out there, you know. Um not that I, I minded all the kind of like uh like I don't think it was wrong for them to sort of like you know ease it in necessarily but it was kind of like oh thank goodness somebody's noticed like it like they're they should be as obvious to somebody as it is to us the audience yeah. you know um well and and, it, and there are explicit calls calls to that right there's yeah. um well of course like <laughs> the terror saying i am you know mm. yours <laughs> like yeah. i mean at least we at least know what she's thinking yeah like i mean that's we might not still know if willow's completely aware of yeah. what's going on but like that you know again like that's the like tara tara knows what's happening and right. she's okay with it and yeah. she's sort of hinting at it and and also just and and sort of on the lighter side not lighter funny but like just the less intense side of things like with the, the sort of jealousy of, Oh, you haven't introduced me to your friends yet, which is yeah. a very coupley sort of thing to, right. you know, uh, say and, and deal with. So, yeah. 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 Um, and well, and I guess just like further on the, like making it explicit too, like, 
again, still slightly euphemistic, but like the spell that they do, you know, like just the way. That's more than slightly. It's more than slightly. Like that's about, that's like taking the euphemistic magic they've done and like pushing it as far to like blatant as you can. Um, Yeah. Well, and they're, and they're going to the nether realms, you know what I mean? Like just even stuff like that. Like, sure. You know, it has a very much to do about nothing sort of, you know, idea. So like there's, there's a, yeah, it's, pretty explicit <laughs> um, explicit well, i mean maybe it is it is metaphorical sure so i guess yes. maybe explicit isn't the right word but it's like not very well uh very covered. thinly veiled yeah yes, it's very yeah. very very thinly veiled. and i think that's been progressive it's gotten progressively oh, yeah. more literal the further it's gone on so it's kind of appropriate that now where like the the effect that the spell has on them is you know almost as literal as you can get without them actually having sex then you get you know faith saying it like you know making it explicit in dialogue for the first time <laughs> of somebody actually saying like oh you know you're a couple like this is yeah. a romantic thing you know where this is now a thing to be said out loud in in her traditionally crass way. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, making Willow's Tara not driving feel, stick anymore. Yeah, yeah, being vulgar about it and and making Tara feel as uncomfortable and bad as she can. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I know that that moment too, where she mocks her for the stutter for the like, stuttering. But I like, love that. I love that. Tara picks up on it right away. That was one yeah. of my favorite aspects that she, I mean, because of her magical knowledge, so she knows, okay, a person has an energy and this energy feels wrong, but just she can't imagine that, you know, Buffy would really be like this. Yeah, like, Willow's best was, friend. Yeah, yeah like she, she was way too mean. This can't really be her. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, intuitiveness yeah. of her like everyone else the scoobies are all oblivious you know but like tara's on top of this <laughs> yeah and she well, knows there's something else going on and and it is sort of interesting too because you have the scoobies who are uh well and and we have we have seen uh um you know we have seen buffy notice that willow like you know we got the oh you were out all night you were too like you know like it's not like Buffy hasn't noticed that Willow has been spending time with someone or doing something like you know what I mean but but yeah there like there does sort of seem to be an obliviousness it's sort of like the obliviousness of friendship or like familiarity uh where you just know someone so well or have known them for so long that when there is something new like you don't expect them to change the way that they acting that they're Mm -hmm. acting because you've just known them for so long that they've just always acted this particular way. So when they do start acting a different way, like maybe you sort of just ignore it or don't really. Right. Right. It's like Tara is at, because she's more removed. She's more being more sensitive to how Buffy's acting. And, and the reciprocal is that it's faith who's on the outside who notices that relationship immediately as well. So it's the two outsiders uh, who are sort of looking in on the things, realizing yeah. that there's something different 
Mm. You know, in one case, a good relationship that's forming, and in the other case, a, you know, uh, mockery of who the person really is. So, like, there's that there's these that there's these two outsiders that really take to sort of uh, find that out and discover it. Um, Yeah. No, that was cool. I like that little parallel there. Um, I guess just the last thing we get sort of an explanation finally from Willow of why she's been, you know, at least one possible explanation for why she's been sort of lying and keeping Tara separate, which is that idea of, you know, she loves Buffy and loves the Scoobies, but if she brings Tara in or brings anyone in, they become part of this like gravitational pull around the slaying. And there's this idea that, you know, her relationship with Tara is something that she wants just for herself that, you know, would be separate. Um, so, and, and you have to wonder how much of that is because of what happened with Oz, right? It was sure. Oz came in and then he became a vampire or a vampire a werewolf. And, mm. you know, things happened and then he had to go away. So like there yeah. might also be that, like it, that's not explicitly stated, but I think a reluctance. We're to, yeah, we're invited to maybe speculate on that yep. wavelength as yeah, well. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That if yeah, if Tara gets involved, like could something then happen? Like what happened with Oz? And yeah, as is not uncommon in you know people who have really good relationships that that maybe get broken up you know what i mean like that mm-hmm. that idea that there's a hesitancy to right start to... a new one or like that by making it public then it's real kind of thing, yeah and know? especially is one that like recreates the circumstances of the old one that like right, right you know that this is like almost superstitious like you know uh you don't want to get in into the kind of situation that you know, even though that wasn't why she and Oz broke up, I could see her feeling that, you know, if she gets too involved, things could go yeah. that way again. And, so. and I think there's... I think there's a certain obliviousness, whether intentional or not, to her thinking romantically about this relationship, too, right? Like, like there, right. I think with Willow... Like, we know that she's not a lesbian. So, like, at least, or she historically has not been a lesbian. Right, so it's like, not clear. Like, like, it's clear to us that there is this romantic attraction. And I think by this point, it's clear that Tara's aware of that. Yeah. You know, but what? How, to what extent Willow is aware of that is still ambiguous, right. I think. Right. I definitely think we're at least invited to ask that question of, you know, is she aware or not? Mm. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I think between Faith and Tara anyway, like we're invited as viewers to recognize mm. if we haven't already that, yeah. yes, this is the path this that we're going This is the direction down, we're going, yeah. And, and this is definitely um, not the end of, you know, that direction. So sure. we'll... We'll continue to watch that. Um, no need to say a lot, but we should just mention, too, the existence of Adam. Yes. Um, did we mention him yet? I don't think we did. Not really. I guess 
I guess it's just this idea that he's, you know, recruiting, you know, yeah. kind of on yeah. this this mission, his purpose. And uh, and almost in like a evangelical sort of way. Like, sure, yeah. You know, there's this there's this very yeah, like you know, like how does he get the vampires, you know, to go with him? It's like he has this very sermony kind yeah. of, you know, let's yeah. take over the world kind of, you know, yeah, demagogic. Follow, follow my my Demo- teachings. Demagogic? Demagogic? <laughs> I don't I don't know what I don't know what the right adjectival form of that would be. But um anyway, yeah. So that's yeah, like he there is sort of a charisma and he like he has a purpose uh you know to his mission so to speak. Um and kind of like an empowering one. Like it's our right. it's our mission and our purpose to spread death and chaos and and what is it you fear most go and confront it you know like go forth and face your fears my sons kind of thing like right right so you you get you get the the boon is the one vampire's name i guess uh you know he's you know like he's up there yeah he's like an acolyte kind of you know like preaching his own like why was i scared i I faced my fear and here i am you know like in the church where i never thought i would be yeah (laughs) and uh, yeah then the slayers come and kick their butts but but yeah no the idea that adam is still out there and that he's recruiting and that there are things going on which uh yeah we've sort of ignored for an episode and a half but like (laughs) Now that faith it will is not on her, be in, ignored anymore. Yeah, now that faith on her way out of town, like maybe that will be picked up again. Mm. <laughs> so, um, and faith is on her way out of town. I wonder where she's headed. She's. <laughs> I don't know. There are many places where she could be going by train. Mm. We'll see. That are not L.A. <laughs> I'm not saying she's going there. Of all I'm places. saying there are many places that she could go that are not there. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. All right. Um, well. Yeah. Okay. On, on to Doctor Who. Yeah. The um, place where I wanted to start. I, I think I just wanted somewhat briefly, I don't think we need to get into a lot of it, but like just sort of the situation of the Cybermen. I just want to kind of like, yeah. handle that so that okay. we can kind of move on to the character stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I don't think the Cybermen, you know, crash landing or whatever, and sort of, like, I guess they've been around a while and, and like, they're using spare parts and, uh-huh. you know, all this stuff and um, all of that. Like, I don't know that that's that big of a deal. It's, you know, no, a threat so. that brings the doctor to stay and of course and a classic threat so you know it's one that we're yeah. sure that the doctor would stay to well and with. and we don't need a lot of like explanation so we can focus no. on the character stuff because you know um, they're cybermen you know what they do and right right uh i like the i like the different uh explanation for the flickering lights because last time we uh-huh. saw craig of course it was flickering lights but it was it was a different uh, reason for that um yeah and i like the sort of like well i thought it was inner like i i was kind of surprised they just sort of have sophie as like the frame <laughs> you know narrative right. in this in this like um because 
the last episode with the lodger was so much about getting the two of them together. Right. Now, like, she just kind of goes away and you don't see them together much. Right. Uh, so, um, but, you know, the idea that, you know, Craig, very sort of typical, he's, he's a new dad and not entirely competent at being mm-hmm. a dad. So, like, this is his chance to sort of on the job learn how to be a dad. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that, uh, especially, like, we've talked just even with the doctor and Amy, how there's sort of that parental thing going on there too. So like there's sort of the larger, I don't know, arc is quite right, but like the larger story between there two and, and we'll talk about it later, but you know, you get the him seeing Amy from afar and like seeing her like, Oh, she's all grown up kind of thing. And so like, I do think there is a little bit of a parallel sort of between the two well, of them there that we're kind of meant to look at. Parents and children, and especially fathers and sons, have been kind of a theme throughout the season, I think. Like, between, like, that kind of pseudo-parental relationship with the Doctor and Amy, but also Amy and Rory and River, or Melody, you know? And then, yeah, yeah. even in a lot of the standalone episodes, we've gotten that. Like, George and his father, and, you know, and night terrors and then there was the pirate and his yeah, son Curse of the black spot yeah. yeah so like they keep and then in uh with the gangers there's the again the one ganger has his son too so you know yeah. well and even the gangers themselves could almost be seen as like children of the originals in a sure way, so so i think or like spawn of the originals <laughs> in a way <laughs> yeah Ooh. So, yeah, I, maybe that was not the right term to use, but anyway. So, I think, like, even when, like, it's not directly related to the arc, that's, like, you keep being, you know, reminded continually yeah. of these parent relationships. What does that, what is it to be a good dad? And and maybe it's difficult to be one, and, and it's a scary thing and something that has to be sort of learned and all these kinds of ideas, um, keep sort of popping up. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sorry not to see more of Sophie, but like, it seems like that makes sense for the story that it's about. He has, it, it, the story is about him learning how to cope with that without her to rely on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think too, by necessity, because of this idea of, him as the stand-in companion um Mm -hmm. and you know it this you know we can talk more about their relationship to each other but i think it works to have that kind of double act to have yeah well and we can just go right in because i mean i think that i mean i was i wanted to talk about craig you know as well i don't think we need to spend a lot of time in the situation per se no the the only thing i want to mention is uh the the stupid little cyber mats that I just want to mention them because they're actually a classic thing which is like weird to me like we don't have any returning classic monsters this season except for that (laughs) like that like ticks the like box of like classic thing so they're like from you know the, the the late 60s like one of the early Cybermen episodes so there you go the Cybermat the Cybermats the little silver rat guys yeah yeah so yeah if you well yeah i mean you'll find this black and white pictures of them from the the cybermen are you know returning as well like as no well i guess you mean like new new returning 
don't new, think there's new, any new old villains. New like like a rebooted villain. Like we yeah. don't really I don't think we have any other ones this season that I can even think no. of. So uh, this is this is it. Cybermats. Yeah, no, not not any not any new ones, certainly. Right. We we did get the picture of the Centaurin in yeah. the and the in, in the uh, last episode there well we have Strax and everything but like no they haven't rebooted any classic villains this season which is a break another break from format um except for the Cybermets so there you go now and they're and they're already tied to the Cybermen so and they're already tied to the Cybermen so they're more like not villains of their own per se no um fair enough so Craig yeah um and we can talk about their relationship, their partnership, yeah. um, which is pretty, pretty funny. It uh, is. They're they're good together. These the two. Um, yeah no I I think they play off each other very very well. Mm. Uh, you know I like the the running um, gag about you know the the term partnership and <laughs> I love when is yeah. it Val is is that her yeah name? The, yeah the, the, the yeah Val the shop. department store lady yeah. Uh, when when he you know he's like oh well i i usually use the term companion it's like, yeah. are, are we partners is that you know more yeah. appropriate and like of course she thinks yeah oh it's a little old-fashioned yeah. you know there's no need to be coy you know right um, um and the doctor's like oh okay yeah sure like that's fine like he has no problem but then yeah. like like they don't just leave it at that like okay you know so what so one lady thinks that they're like gay couple together yeah but like then they're in in the in the ship you know they get beamed down i guess mm-hmm. and they're in the ship and the doctor doesn't want craig to see where they are so it's like he starts declaring his love for it like this is the only thing he can he think, can of, think to of to do, to do it, yeah. is to declare his love and he's like and craig's like going along with it like not well, understanding. No, I, I, I'm I'm married though. Like I totally would, but I'm married. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's like it's like not even like like he might go there yeah. for a minute. <laughs> yeah. It's, and and so you get the doctor, I, and then he puckers up and is getting there, and the and Craig's like pulling away. And yeah. Then of course, like the illusion breaks, and and he realizes where they are and all of that. But it, it, like it's, I like that they just keep taking it to that next level, mm-hmm. and it's. It's pretty funny, but then like it also is, you know. I like that you have you know the, the, these two guys, these two blokes mm-hmm. who are just you know able to be friends and partners, not in a sexual way, but you know just mates or whatever, you know, and yeah. that they're that they're <laughs> you're talking about genuine affection, like you know they're both okay with that. Like this yeah. is not. Um, well, it is. It's a nice change because we usually don't get the doctor with just a male companion you know you usually get the the female and maybe she has you know a mickey or a rory or something um you know so and i think that's just by necessity because you want the the double act of you know i've always said like i would happily accept and expect one day that we'll have a female doctor and I would expect her to have a male companion just because I think you need the kind of 
yin and yang of the doctor and companion that should have different energies and I wouldn't want it to be too weighted towards, you know, a particular gender. Like, I think I like that there's always, like, mm-hmm. two leads and that, you know, one should be male, one should be female. But, like, for, like, you know, for, like, the odd episode here or there, it is kind of nice to have, like, a different kind of companion relationship. One that is just, like, mates or blokes or whatever that, like... Yeah doesn't that and it just has a different kind of energy to it um yeah and it's not even like um like with jack you know like where right right well there's plenty of sexual tension with jack (laughs) well yeah that's true as well but like just even like again it's yeah with him it was always more of a threesome (laughs) yeah you know like you know where again it's like it you know he's not mickey or rory in regard of like he's attached to, you know, the other companion in a particular way or whatever, but it's also not. Right. It was never just just Jack and the doctor. doctor, Right. Yeah. The only Um, other example I could think of in new who there may be better ones in the classics, but, um, it's like Wilf, you know, of all people, you know, but then that's different because of the age, you know, there's like, you don't have that sense of the, energy you get from two kind of young guys who are like yeah the same age and you know getting along and having fun and the same apparent age anyway right i mean i mean the doctor's older than wilf but yeah well and i think so much of that when he's the companion so much of that story is about aging and dying like and like whether by you know explicitly with the doctor or implicitly just because it's wilf you know but here, even though this story is also kind of about dying, um, the focus is more on like their youth and their fun and like right. how great they are together and how much they like each other and stuff. Yeah, you know what it actually kind of oddly enough reminds me of is the episode of Sherlock where they have uh, the bachelor party. <laughs> sure <laughs> in, in a way like you know it's like you do see when they get like drunk like, and like go yeah. in their pub crawl and stuff yeah yeah except that it what they go to like two pubs or something right we, like, well they, they drink they... like the giant beakers full of oh yeah yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> and it's you're yeah, right in there and then they're done right um and they're lightweights anyway so anyway um, but uh yeah not so much in action but in sort of tone yeah the kind of like bromance aspect yeah. of like yeah. like a like a buddy movie kind of thing exactly exactly so i i like that i like that aspect of it and and i like her i mean we talked um a little bit before we were um starting to record that you know the actor who plays craig there and i sorry i forget the actor's name um james corden there you go james corden uh just how good he is sort of yeah at doing what he does so well and and i think i've was saying too that I he's he's quite successful recently. You know that he's sure was just in Into the Woods. You know, which is a pretty high profile movie. Um, you know, getting play high profile in America too, not just like a British mm-hmm. movie. Um, and also in America, he's taking over for Craig Ferguson on the Late Late Show. Yeah. So I wonder how much. Doctor Who had to do with that sudden little burst of success he had. Like, getting, you know, between the lodger and then this, you know. 
I think that gave him a little boost up to kind of like get some recognition, um, you know, yeah. across the pond and everything. So, uh, well, and, and well-deserved. So yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know that I have a lot to say about Craig on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm coping on my own. <laughs> he says, uh, yeah. but then he's like, <laughs> I can't cope on my own. Like, yeah. I love that moment. I'm Immediately coping no one, no one thinks I can cope on my own, which is so unfair because I can't cope on my own. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And that's good. You know, it's, and we're, re, we're sort of forced. Re, like, I think the thing with all of the other examples sort of as you were pointing out before, and I mean, I know we sort of brought it up periodically, but I think in this instance, especially at the at the point when, you know, Craig goes off and leaves the doctor alone mm-hmm. uh, with Alfie, mm-hmm. that we're forced to remember that the doctor actually did have children. So, like, mm. we don't know exactly what he was like with those children, but, you know, no. we might take a brief moment to sort of ponder whether this was yeah. it. <laughs> sure. Um, so, you know... Yeah, it's... well, there's that moment in Night Terrors a couple weeks ago where he is talking to George and he says something about, like, oh, I'm a bit rusty at this. But, like, yeah. he's rusty, but he's done it. So, yeah. And I wonder, too, like, I like... The, I, I do enjoy the little running stuff of, like, how he can speak baby and, like, understands what Alfie or Stormageddon is saying and everything. But... You also wonder, too, how much of that is just the doctor. You know, like, he knows that, like, how much of what he's interpreting Alfie saying is the doctor helping Craig learn, you know, how to be a dad. You know, like, when he says things like, like, oh, you know, he calls you dad now and he's very proud of you. It's like, that's the kind of thing I think you could interpret that a couple ways. Like, is that what Alfie is thinking or is that the doctor telling Craig what he needs to hear, you know, to kind of give him that, that confidence and everything. Um, yeah. I don't know, yeah. you know, it, but it yeah. does when you see him alone with the baby um, and then so kind of concerned of helping Craig learn how to be a dad, it does kind of remind you of all of these relationships that the doctor may have had um at some point or another um so i mean and i guess the other thing i'd want to say about craig too and kind of in relationship to the doctor is this notion of like the surrogate companion for the episode that you know that the doctor always needs someone, he just can't admit it. Um, and so, you know, you get this recurring theme of uh, here to help. You know, they keep saying, like, I'm the doctor, here to help. He has it on the badge and everything. And you get, you know, that that's the doctor's role, that he's here to help us. And, you know, he can't help himself from staying and helping us. And Craig talks about, thank goodness he's here to help us because who else would know how to do it? But also that the doctor needs help, too. That yeah. That's the role of the companion, is to help the doctor. Um, you know, and that Craig's uh, persistence in 
sticking by him and you know going after him and not leaving him and that that's what you know rescues the doctor in the end is that craig comes down into the cyber ship and you know yeah. blows them up with love so um you know in the absence of amy and rory i like that we have somebody who steps in as like fulfilling the good companion role yeah yeah definitely and there's i mean obviously we've seen that sort of in one-offs before yeah um but yeah no it is it is sort of again that review as well well and so and that plays into the i wanted to talk bring up the um I wanted to bring up the, the whole idea of uh, the farewell tour. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's this idea of, which, again, we've seen before, but, like, the thing of the doctor going off on his own, not just to go off on his own, but to say goodbye, yeah. you know. But last time we saw it, it went back to all sorts of different people. This time... I don't know that I quite buy it in the same way, right? Like, mm. that was... Like, he knew he... He knew he was dying before. Like, mm-hmm. there was nothing he could do about it. Like, mm-hmm. that he was going to die at some point. Yeah. We've talked about how maybe it was a little bit longer than necessary. <laughs> like, it, sure. it kind of takes his time about it. Yeah. But, you know, but there does seem to be a clock to it, right? There's... there's yeah. It, it, like at some you point, mean, he knows. You mean before, like, like between the waters of Mars and after, like when he's been off with Elizabeth the first and all that, or do you mean the farewell? No, no, tour, no, no, like, no. like after after he has to rescue after like Wilf. the the radiation and all yeah, that. the radiation. Oh, okay. stuff. Like there's, I mean, the dying takes a while. Yes. Like like we don't yeah. know how long that is. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's definitely. A time period there but you know he kind of goes off and he sees the different right uh companions and stuff because he knows he's about to die with yeah. the like between waters of mars and going to visit the dude right like, that wasn't really the fair that was the like yeah that I'm was the avoidance time tour. so that well yeah. and that's actually that's that's kind of what i'm getting at here is because i get more of that sense i agree here. with you yeah uh yeah so like yeah i i would say and maybe it's somewhere in between the two because he knows he's going to die. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know exactly how. He knows where and yeah. when. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he knows. Maybe he does know how. I, I don't remember if he knows that or if we know that he knows that. But I think um, he maybe knows some of it, but not like... Yeah, I mean, we've seen know. him sort of surreptitiously, surreptitiously yeah. researching it and stuff. Yeah, I think he's figured out screen. a certain amount. So like, yeah. You know, we know that he knows at least a certain extent, but um, I do get more of the sense here, like that he's. It's not so much like the farewell tour of you know I'm going back to see all the companions who I loved and uh, you know, yeah, whatever um, to say goodbye one last time. But it's it's more of that avoidance thing, and so um, like for example, I. I don't know that he expects to see Amy and Rory. Like that seems right. like a genuine surprise to me when he yeah. does see them. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, again, like, yes, I agree with the, like he needs to be with someone, but also like 
this is him stalling in a way. Yeah. So it's it's well looking I mean, it's for another s- case of the doctor not knowing what he needs necessarily. Like yeah. so like cuz I mean the other thing, I mean so not only does he use the term farewell tour, which is kind of what everybody calls that bit at the end of time, you know, when he right. I don't think they ever call it that in the episode, but like that's what like fans call it is the farewell tour. So the fact that he says bit of a farewell tour seems like a reference to that. But then also, um, I noticed this time, uh, he says uh, to Craig, uh, been knocking around on my own for a bit, bit of a farewell tour. And that's pretty much the exact words that he says to Amy after the farewell tour before he takes her with him in the 11th hour when she says, why me? And he says, been knocking around on my own for a bit, you know, and then it says like, you know, whatever, he's lonely, he's wants her to come. So the fact that like, we're meant to almost kind of like bookend, like those two periods of time where like, he doesn't really, he's, he's kicked Amy and Rory out nicely, but kicked them out. And so Mm -hmm. now we have, again, this period of companionless doctor who knows his death or you know a different sort of death but knows that death is looming um and is sort of farewelling his life and his friends but also putting off the inevitable too Mm -hmm. um yeah and he's not in a kind of like dark waters of marsy awful frame of mind but you still always whenever you have the doctor on his own i think you have to have donna's warning in the back of your mind of find someone you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. even in its silly way i think this episode's another like demonstration of you need someone to help you you know i mean you can go really dark with that but you can also just say he needed a companion and Craig was there for him this time. So yeah. um, I think there's a lot of like little parallels there that you can see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, you know, the whole, like that leads him to the, I'm not noticing, I'm not noticing, like, yeah. you know, like going around. But of course, he, like, you know, it's one of those things, like if you say, you know, don't think of an elephant, of course you're going to think what of an elephant. What are you thinking of? Like, yeah. yeah. So now we're thinking of elephants. No, but now he's thinking about, you know, noticing the things that he shouldn't be noticing or, yeah, you know, but also at the same time, it's kind of like, maybe he's saying that so that he'll notice them. Like, right. you know, I mean, he's already clearly noticing them because he's saying not to notice them, but yeah, by saying that it's like, oh, well maybe I should get involved in that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I like the, I, you've got your noticing face on. I have <laughs> nightmares about that face. Yeah, like, <laughs> pretty funny. Um, yeah. The, yeah, but... Um, oh, and sorry, so on the father bit, too. Gotta love the whole, you know, that's why I br- bring a human along with me, you know, about being, you know, the babies and shushing them. And, yeah. you know, it's it's good to good to have that. Well, that's why I always have a human with me. <laughs> um I yeah, and the shushing only works on beings with underdeveloped brains, but of course it works right. on all the humans. Right, right, um, right. Multiple times. So. Well, right. He says it only works once, but of course <laughs> but it works. he does it like over and over again. Yeah, 
many times. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so... The other <sighs> thing I wanted to... Uh, I want to make sure I mention to... Oh, actually, two little things. Um, yeah. We, we, we skipped over a line I wanted to mention, which is his... You've redecorated. I don't like it. Um, you know, which is funny because they're in a new house. So, of course, right. it's like... Oh, yes, which, that's which it. Which <laughs> cracks me up because it's like, well, that he... he he found him, so he must know, like, but that's right. just the doctor, like, oblivious. Like, he tracked yeah. him down somehow, but does not realize this is, like, a totally different neighborhood. Like, you know, yep. the amount of information that he just forgets over time, like, that just is, right. like, trivial. Um, that makes me laugh. But also, the line about, you've redecorated, I don't like it, is a reference to uh, the first multi-doctor story um which was the three doctors back in the 70s and that's what the second doctor says to the third doctor when he sees his new tardis for the first time as he goes uh, in the new tardis he says you've redecorated i don't like it um so little sly little classic reference for you there cool anyway um and also at the end he redecorates it again the yeah. house yeah. yeah. Um which is kind of funny. Yes. Uh so yeah, okay. Where was I? I, I don't remember what I was going to say next. Oh, and um, I'm sorry. I had one more thing. I <laughs> No, it's all right. I I just also want to mention my favorite part of this episode, which is his monologue to Alfie about a normal human life. Um, yes. Mortgage repayments, 9 to 5, a persistent nagging sense of spiritual emptiness. Save the tears for later, boyo. Um, that's so wonderful. And I just have to share this, that I'm watching this episode. I love that line. And I tweeted it, and it got favorited by a mortgage company. And that makes me kind of laugh. <laughs> it made you die a little inside. It made me die a little bit inside. Like, I don't know, do they just, like, search for the word mortgage and like any tweet with that in it? Or someone there with a sense of humor? I don't know. But... That made me smile. Yeah, probably. They probably search for those. Um, actually, there I. Not to get all social media, you know, marketing on you, but like there, yeah, there's apps that will yep. just like automatically. automatically. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, I got to uh, chuckle over that. Um, no, that is pretty funny. No, I I do like the stuff that he says to Alfie, and and you know the whole you could be anything. Yes, I know you could walk among the stars, and then he's like, well, they don't actually look like that. They're rather rather more impressive, and mm. um, you know his whole you know um, talk uh, you know to Craig about being you know I'm a stupid and selfish man. Always have been. I should have made you go. Should never come here. And Craig's kind of like you know, but but what would have happened? What would have happened? And then like. You know, he, he continues talking about, you know, soon I won't be here. My time's running out. You know, mm. silence will fall when the question is asked. Still don't know what the question is. Always knew I'd, st I'd die still asking. Thing is, Craig, it's tomorrow. Can't put it off anymore. Like, you know, this is... And it's always funny to me when the doctor talks about time as though, like, he needs to do something right now. Because right. he's a time traveler. Right. But, like, I think this is, like to what we were saying before about, you know, this is him avoiding. It's it's yeah. tomorrow because he's deciding it needs to be tomorrow. It's not like right. 
it's inevitable that it will happen tomorrow. It's that he's saying it will happen tomorrow because I'm going to face it tomorrow. Well, and there's that. It's sort of his decision taking his own destiny into his own hands kind of thing. And, and, Um, and that, uh, again, another parallel with like the end of time that like you get that sense when he, you know, comes to the Ood that even though it's the past, even though it's a different time and theoretically he can go anywhere it's already too late. Like he's put it off too long and his delay has had some sort of effect, you know? So there's like the doctor has some sense of it's time, you know, and whatever tomorrow means, it means that I can't put it off any longer, you know? Mm. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so to, sort of those monologue moment. That's not quite monologue. It like turns into monologue when Craig falls asleep. Like, right, right. But you know what I mean. Like it's those are those are good moments because they're him just sort of mm-hmm. expressing his. You know, again back to the genuineness, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he he's able to not avoid any longer yeah. and sort of say what he really thinks. Um, I don't know that I have like a ton more to say because like I feel like that's well we I, we mentioned Amy and Rory um, I you yeah. know the doctor sees them sees a little girl asking for Amy's autograph so that's mm-hmm. nice and and we don't really know why uh, until like then she the girl point like Amy and Rory walk off and the girl points and you see the the picture of Amy she's become now apparently a model or mm-hmm. a spokesperson or whatever for this. Perfume was it or something? Perfume. I don't remember. Did yeah. you catch what um, it's called? Yeah. Well, so the the um, tagline was like for the girl who's tired of wait, waiting yeah. or something like that. But I yeah. didn't. Ca- I don't remember what the, the name. The name is Petricor. <laughs> Petricor. So, oh, okay. Yeah. But that's there. like the slogan is for the girl who's tired yeah, of waiting. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. the girl who's tired of waiting. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't remember what the what the name of it was. There you go, Petricor. Petricor. Yeah. All right. Um, nice little. So yeah, like stuff. a little, just a little peek into their lives that they are, you know, we don't know exactly how long it's been, but long enough that, you know, Amy has, you know, this new job and they're maybe moving yeah. on. We don't really know, but and, it seems and presumably, like it's been a little while, you know, the doctor's sort of wistful expression of watching them and, yeah. you know, seeing them. Yeah, and presumably Rory's either still a nurse or perhaps has become a doctor himself. I don't know if we like. I remember yeah, that we don't was know. that was the the thing in the uh, yeah in the Dream Lord one there. Like, right? Wasn't he? Hadn't he become a doctor at that point or something? Right. That was his. That was that part was of that the was dream part of fantasy, his dream. Yeah. But but we don't. I guess we don't know if that happened. Here. Yes, I don't think um, we get confirmation, but. Uh, and the other thing that I was thinking of was, which I realized I was wrong, so I will admit that before I say. But like I was like, oh, because there was this uh, at the at the beginning of the season, like they were in this house where they were like looking for the doctor, you know, like looking for references to the doctor, I guess, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like remember, we got that whole like mm-hmm. Amy's reading from the book, and then he's on the TV, and then they get the invitation. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, this must be like between that time. But then I realized, well, 
No, because this is after that in sequence, if not in time. Perhaps right. I don't. I don't know exactly when all of that takes place, but right. um, but this is the Doctor on the other end. So when he's stepping into the TARDIS at the end, he's going to go back and meet that version of Rory and Amy. Right. Yes, because we get the the loop of the envelopes. Yeah. And the Stetson. Right. Um, and he's off to America to right. meet his fate. So yeah. So this is so. If we take the Doctor to be not completely lying about his age, which I think is a huge if. Um, didn't he say in that episode that he was like 1,200 11, or 11, 11 or 12 some, something, yeah. something? So if that's true, he's been putting this off for quite a while. <laughs> you know, I don't, the doctor, the doctor's relationship to his age is pretty much as loose as you want to make it. You know, yeah. and, you know, and that some of that is just like a preferential thing. Like Russell Davies was very strict about the like doctor always says he's at what, like one year older, you know, even when there are like gaps where you could insert like a huge number of adventures, you know, presumably it could be years and years. We just don't know. Yeah. And whereas Moffat's the opposite, like. It's like an episode later, and suddenly he's supposed to be like a hundred years later. So, yeah. you know, maybe each are a little bit too extreme. You could kind of, who knows? The Doctor's age is like completely unknown. Um, yeah. But, um, but and, at least you get the sense that this Doctor's been on his own, and he's avoiding this time, and he's, you know, putting yeah. it off for a while. Right. For, right. So, like, they're... Is a period of time between when he dropped Rory and Amy off and when he knocks on Craig's door. Yes. Or rings the door, but I don't remember yeah. what you did. But, yeah. Um, Enough that he interprets this to himself as a long time. <laughs> like, well, you know, to, it's whatever the doctor considers a significant amount of time. Rule number one, the doctor lies. Absolutely. So yeah. I think that would be my preferred interpretation. Yeah. And also because I think... I think he would w want to present himself in a way to Rory and Amy that suggests that he's much older than the last time he saw them. Like, yeah. I I could see that, like, if they knew it was only really a few months or a year, yeah. like, that would almost be more traumatic yeah. to them yeah. than the fact that he's lived right. another two like, or three hundred years. Cut down in his prime, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But that said, I don't have any evidence for that. That's just my preferred interpretation. Yeah, <laughs> like I that, mean, I think that makes sense. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I think there are probably any number of ways that you could argue with that. And all of them could be right, because we just don't have the evidence. Like, that's sort of classic yeah. critfic, retcon yeah. sort of stuff, you know. Um, yeah. So, all of that said... Um, I guess um, for the doctor, the last thing I want to just mention is I I do like that last um, section with the kids. You know, when he kind of yeah. I I love that they. This is how I interpret it. They seem to have this kind of sense that there's something significant about this. That like he walks by, and they all kind of stop their playing and turn and just sort of 
watch him. You know, like, there's this sort of communal understanding of importance, but nobody really knows why. Um, so, you know, and then we get their little inner thoughts of what it was that they noticed. Mm. And then you find that these are like eyewitness accounts of the doctor that, you know, Rivers researching and everything. Um, right, but, right. Uh, but I like that. That's like a teeny little mythic moment there of like the doctor's going to his death and all the kids stop what they're doing, you know, to kind of like, you know, see him off, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Ponder and take note. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, huh, there's something about this. Like, there's, a, there's kind of a like, you know, all the kids clap if you believe in fairies kind of thing of like, you know, that that sort of communal acknowledgement of the doctor, I guess. Yeah. 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 No, I like that moment too. I. Um, yeah. Well, and it leads into River Song, so we should talk about her, I guess, too. Mm-hmm. But um, I do like I do like that. Um, and I liked his hat. I really you know, like, like yeah. I really liked his hat, yeah. um, because you know, sure, why not? Like, and that's the sort of thing. Like, kids totally pick up notice. on like yeah. the randomest things that, like, yeah. you know, of course we're watching it and we're like, oh, it's significant because he's going off to his death. What does a child remember? Child remembers. I liked his hat. Yeah, like that's all. Yeah, I just remember liking his hat. Yeah, and I and I have those things too. Like, I there are things that I remember from my childhood where it's just like, it's not I like the hat maybe, but it, you know, like, Oh, I just, I remember it was really warm that day. Yeah. Like some, you know, something detail you, that, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily have any impact on any sort of life lesson you might've learned or whatever. It's just happened to be, I just remember this about that. Well, And you can imagine you know, like if experience, these, if these kids were like interviewed at some point, like somebody tracked them down to say like, you know, to ask them about right. their their meeting and and were and they were asked like however many years later like what was he like you know what impression did you have you could just imagine saying like I don't know but I just remember I really liked his hat like that was the only detail that stuck with you you know um, that yep. I just that little that's a nice little kid thing yep um, okay so river river or melody. Whichever. Yes. Um, it's the day of receiving her doctorate, her doctorate I guess. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Riversong, how clever you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, of course, back comes Eyepatch Lady, mm-hmm. um, who I had sort of forgotten about, honestly. Yeah. Uh, at least, like, I knew in the back of my mind that, like, we were going to have to get to that point where yeah like river and whatever was in the lake because i mean i think that was sort of what we already knew or at least what i already suspected i can't remember if that was made clear specifically but like we were going to get to that point but um yeah i i mean i think the clearest they said was like in uh let's kill hitler they talk about the fact that history says that river's the woman that kills the doctor, that she's this war yeah, criminal yeah. and stuff. So you, right. I mean, pretty much you, it's not a big leap to join the dots and say, and okay, well, if we've seen the doctor die, somebody's in the space suit. So, 
you know. Right, and and in various, at various times, they like totally debunk like any potential argument you could make as like a fan. Well, no, maybe it's not really the doctor. No, it's right. really the doctor. You right. know, like <laughs> it's really the doctor. He dies on this day. He does not survive. Like, right. you know, they repeat like all, all these, you know, conditions or, or possible, you know, right. refutations as no, it actually is what's going on. So anyway, right. um, although, although I will, the only kind of hint of a get out clause you get is, River's mention of according to some accounts it's the day the doctor dies so like that this is like a bit of history and legend that she's had to piece together so mm. you know I don't think it's a big spoiler to say that in next week's finale we're gonna see that moment and see how it all plays out so well, I mean at the very least we know that there's a couple more seasons after this of Doctor right. Who so I mean I, right. maybe they threw you for a complete loop and say we will now go to an earlier period in the doctor's life right and, everything you know, past this is like yeah like pre you know a prequel yeah it? yeah i, I don't won't, expect I won't that that's gonna that. i don't expect that that's going to happen sure. i'm just saying it's one of several possibilities yeah um but yeah no the the like i'll say that she definitely the eye patch lady definitely was not in top of mind um, nor were the silence. Although, again, yeah, both of them, like, if you'd ask me about it, I'd say, oh, yeah, they're still kind of out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, which is sort of a funny meta thing that I forgot about. You the forgot silence. about the silence, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, as River does when she turns around and is, like, freaked out. And then, you know, you find out, you know, she's like, who are they? And the woman's like, well, they're your guardian. Like, they, like basically implying that they've been there all along. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, however old River is at this point, you know, like, yeah, they've been there with her growing up and yep. possibly teaching and implanting suggestions because we've seen them do that sort of yep. thing. Uh, you know, yeah, and you and we've seen what uh, um mel's was like at her kind of right. brainwashed you know so you know we've seen the silence implant suggestions you know like you, you will tell the doctor this you know thing or yeah. whatever you know so then you kind of get an idea of maybe that's how mel's brainwashing went was the silence suggesting things to her you know about yeah. you know you know, kill the doctor or whatever. Yeah. Sort um, of every time she turns around and sees them, they say something to her and then yeah. they're gone again. So yeah, like, yeah. right. So it, it didn't like stop when she escaped from, uh, yeah, that kind of know, influence they, is still buried in there. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So. And, and they knew where, even where she was the whole time, like, you know, them kind of, changing her name and smuggling her away to the future to like the university and to stay at the hospital or whatever you know the silence was there the whole time you know just sort of biding their time um i don't know that i picked up on the name of the lake before silencio yeah no. i don't know that they ever i think maybe if you look like when Sometimes when the doctor has it up on the scanner, you can see it, but I don't know that okay. they ever really talked about it before. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, clever little name there, yeah. obviously. Um, 
but yeah, the the idea that here we are and that final, you know, shot of her. Yep. Freaks me out. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as just someone, sort of waking up underwater. Yeah. As someone who, you know, was a lifeguard and boating instructor and, you know, uh took scuba lessons and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like just that idea of like yeah, being unconscious underwater in a suit like that really Yeah. Weirds me out. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. I and think I think that's Rivers in- pretty weirded out too. <laughs> I was gonna say I think that's the intent. Like Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Um, um and the callback too to the little nursery rhyme, you know. Yes. Which is maybe about the doctor, you know. I, I like this little I love when there's little scattered bits of lore which are like, you know mm-hmm. like, you know, nursery rhymes and fairy tales that are kind of secretly like they sprung because of the doctor. So yeah. You know, which we heard, like, other verses of it in Night Terrors, but now we get, like, the explicit, right. like, TikTok goes the clock till River kills the doctor. Yeah. So. Yep. Very creepy. Very creepy. So, yeah, lots to look forward to, I guess, because we're at the end, right? Like, I mean, or We are, yeah. To. I mean, another format-breaking thing that this was not a two-part finale we just get we got a two-part premiere (laughs) so instead we get a yeah single part although although i mean like we kind of know well i guess i don't know but i mean we have the doctor going into the tardis in his stetson hat and we have river waking up in the lake in the astronaut suit like we sort of know the in the trajectory of events sure you know coming into it um yeah we I'm know assuming, a lot about a lot more than we usually do going i'm in. assuming that yeah we're i i don't know that we're gonna pick up right and because when i've assumed that before like it hasn't happened but like we know it i would expect to see like river in the lake and the doctor with the stetson hat on you know what i mean yeah. like this would be no i i that's I won't consider that a spoiler. I'll say the finale episode is all about what happens on the lake, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much so, like that's the that's not that we're going to spend the whole episode there, but that's no. the subject of the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it might not technically be a two parter, but it's it's definitely flowing well, one yeah. into the other. Yeah. Well, and the, and the the whole season's been, I think, the most arc heavy season that we've had yeah and and you've mentioned that before as well yeah so it kind of makes sense um but cool yeah well um very exciting we can't we can't end our episode Mm. without mentioning my favorite uh phrase of of the entire show um which is stormageddon lord of darkness (laughs) yes stormy as he yeah well of course because you (laughs) i mean you have to have a nickname yeah um so yes that's i wanted to name our episode that but cat put the kibosh i did not no i'm I'm just teasing we we agreed on the name this was a mutual decision That is pretty like, funny, though. I just I, like making you look bad. No, I'm just kidding. No, of course, with it's hilarious. It's yes, but he yes, his name's Alfie, but he prefers to get Lord of Dark. Yeah. Like just so unexpected. And, I get like, a very strong weird. Stewie vibe from that 
from like family guy like yeah. like he's this evil lord like you know <coughs> thinking of like it and everyone is either mom not mom or peasants you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and, and hey you know what fair enough when you're a baby you really are the center of the world and everybody serves you so and why shouldn't you think of yourself as like a benevolent tyrant <laughs> and in fairness he does come around at the end he does to recognizing to dad and being called alfie yeah so so he grows as well he's expanded his universe a little bit yeah well, yes. that's what that's <laughs> yeah. what the doctor's there for. It's not his fault he has he doesn't have memory left. <laughs> um, Funny. Anyway, so all right, cool. Well, then we will cease here, and we will be back next week to talk about the finale of the season yeah. of Doctor Who and uh, a little bit of Angel. Yep. Yeah. Okay. See you then. Mm-hmm.